You're listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Our efforts to educate and unite the church are made possible thanks to our sponsors on Patreon. Please consider joining them for $3 a month at patreon.com forward slash The Whole Church Podcast, where you'll get access to our special bonus content, like our Too Long Didn't Listen series, where we ask our guests to summarize each episode in under 10 seconds. Thank you for listening. Galatians 3, 4-28 from the Christian Standard Bible says... The law, then, was our guardian until Christ, so that we could be justified by faith. But since that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For though faith you are all sons of God in Christ, Jesus, for those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, since you are all one in Jesus Christ. Seemingly all in one breath, Paul talks about the relationship of the law and faith and ties that to our identity in Christ. Christian, why would Paul connect these two seemingly separate doctrines here? Well, at this point in time, what he's trying to do is he's trying to create unity within a church, saying you are, these things are what you are, like you are Jewish, you are Greek. But that is not what ultimately defines you as Jesus Christ. However, we, cannot, we have that mutual faith in Jesus Christ. But what also brings us together is the law that he brings in to help us understand who he truly is. So we can't deny those two things. They have to become uh, one in unison. Welcome, Knights of the Whole Church. We are back with another roundtable. I am one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll, and I serve really only two purposes here. Um, the one is to introduce you to our, our full panel today of hybrid genius saints but before i do i have to introduce the one and only the man the one who it is said of legend that his voice can both stop a train in its tracks as well as turn mics to gold your favorite co-host tj tiberius Juan blackwell welcome back thank you thank you it's good to be back again how many mics do you go through in a in a recording uh in one recording i can usually get through at like 45 minutes before it's gold okay all right. Kind of sounds like well, he's like the <laughs> ultimate wingman. Like everyone should take TJ with them. That's true. They, they should. They should. And short of TJ, they could take an entire round table of genius saints. Today we are <laughs> we are joined by Joe Day. He is the host of Buddy Walk with Jesus. He's also a leader in the home church. We have Christian Ashley, who is a double hybrid. He's also part. Baptist part non-denominational and is attending the Southern Baptist Seminary right now. We have Brandon Knight, host of My Seminary Life, as well as your favorite traveling preacher from Indiana. And Dino Ablon, your favorite Christian scientist. Maybe. He will be. Just give him time. He grows on you. I promise. <laughs> Guys, welcome <laughs> to the show. <laughs> Hi, Josh. Thanks for having us back. Yes. Hello. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, today, I'm actually I'm going to review... I'm going to review some audience engagement. I don't do this every time, but every now and then I like to. And um, Chuck, I don't remember your last name, sent us an email from the last roundtable. And he said it was a wonderful discussion, but the absence of the greatest co-host was noticed. Things kind of got off the rails. So uh, he inquired whether or not TJ was okay. I wanted to know how he was doing. TJ, do you feel okay? I feel fine. All right. There you go, Chuck. <laughs> 
Also, uh, if you were interested in just talking to us more, not me, I don't use Facebook, but we have a great Facebook group you can join. Uh, tons of people are active on it, just not me, again. Uh, you can talk to Josh. It's just called the Whole Church Facebook, yeah. the Whole Church group on Facebook. Check it out. Talk to us. If it's really important, Josh will tell me what you yeah. said. So you can basically talk to me that way. Yeah, I, I send them screenshots every now and then. Yeah. yeah. And, and as you all know, I have a favorite form of silliness, um, of silliness, of unity, which is silliness, which, you know, maybe my favorite form of silliness is also unity, because I, I typically get pretty goofy when I am with my fellow brothers here. And one of the ways I like to goof off is with a silly question. And today we have a weird one. I don't remember coming up with this, but I'm sure it was me. TJ and I will answer first. Give you time, guys time to think about it. If you could pick just one Jedi or Sith to be in an episode of Scooby-Doo, like they used to do those crossover episodes, who would you choose to do that crossover episode with Scooby? Uh, TJ, you want to answer first? Darth Nihilus. Ha! Goes right. for a deep cut right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It won't be the deepest cut today. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm I... <laughs> not going to explain myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to say Jar Jar. The greatest Sith Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I think he'd be hilarious in Scooby-Doo. Uh, Christian. Uh, well, I'm also going to go with Knights of the Old Republic. However, I'm going with the first one, with the Junta Paul, uh, who, for those who play the game, is known as one of the Sith Lords who actually redeem in the game. So I figured it'd be fun for Scooby in the game to go to Korriban and end up in wacky hijinks in the tomb and end up actually redeeming a Sith Lord at the end. But the real yeah. answer is sure. Is, uh, is Shaggy from the first Clone Wars. I forgot who I was asking this question to. Deep cuts all around. Joe, what? I'm going to go a little bit more mainstream and say R2. I think it would be hilarious to see just the, the beep beeps in comparison to, yes. you know, everybody else's dialogue. Absolutely. Plus a scene with R2 and Scooby is something that I need. That would be fun. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, Dino. Well, I'm going to go a niche audience here, and I'm going to go with Star Wars Fallen Order's uh, Cal Kestis. Um, has, has anyone here played Fallen Order? Yeah. So, like, um, mostly because um, he has the psychometry force powers, he can sense that things happen, like kind of have memories, have detective scene thing going, and also, as an extension of him, you get BD-1, which is cute. Sure. Brandon, bring us home. Hopefully with something that I know. Oh, I'm going as basic as you can possibly go with Obi-Wan Kenobi, mainly because I want every time yeah. he meets a new character on the show, say, hello there. You just hear it like 16 times throughout the episode. It'd be great. Yeah, that, that answers my follow-up. I was going to ask old Ben or young, and now, now, you know. I, and now I know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now that, now that we got that out, that was, a good, that was a good one for six people to do. <laughs> So there are a lot of identity related questions or debates that our modern culture is wrestling with today, such as gender, race, sexual orientation, identity politics, etc., what have you. Is there any discussion around identity that you believe doesn't get talked enough about already? Joe. Okay. Um, I'm going to start this off with, with something a little bit spicy. Um, I, I think the thing that doesn't get talked about enough is the actual thing that should be the thing that's identifying us. 
I think in today's culture, it's far too, it's, it's never been easier to reach for whatever. And honestly, I think the overcorrection for this is trying to make it uh, uniformity rather than unity and trying to like cattle everybody into looking and sounding exactly the same and all of this kind of stuff. But the other side of that pendulum swing is when you reach for everything except for our identity in Christ to be the thing that identifies us first before being a Christian. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's it's very palatable in in today's America to grab for um to, to grab for all of those things first. And and you guys will notice I'm gonna make that distinction a lot, primarily because over with my ministry, I do a lot of international stuff. Mm-hmm. Most of my audience is is international. And so I, for for me, that's that's a, a distinction that's very natural for me to make. So I, I think you know it, it's it's the soup of the day to find to reach for those things because then you're being inclusive and things like that, which we should be inclusive, just maybe alter the definition a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I'll start it there. All right. Does anybody else think there's something that we don't talk about enough in relation to Christian? Uh, mine was going to be Christian nationalism. Mm. And let me clarify, mm. I don't mean that, I don't think that we shouldn't be involved with you know, politics, with caring about the laws that are passed on the nation. What I do have a huge issue with is people saying that, well, if we just get those laws in place, then everything's going to be great. And you know, Jesus is going to reign. Well, Jesus already reigns. He doesn't need the United States of America to do that. I mean, it, I think the United States of America is the greatest country in the world. Not only because I live here, because I've experienced it. But at the end of the day, it's trash compared to Jesus Christ. So people who find their identity solely in that are missing the point. Hmm. Yeah. I struggle with the fact that I know nations that get more vacation than me. And that's right now the way that I grade nations. <laughs> Let's go Sweden. <laughs> I am joking, of course. Brandon? Uh, the one I was going to throw in there is I know um, a lot of people, of the various ways that people do find their identity, there is a group of people, even within the church, that their identity is definitely rooted in their mental health state. Sorry for the baby noises uh, for, is rooted in their mental health state, whether it's they are choosing to define themselves as a depressed person or their mental health is so so much a part of their life that they are an anxious person like it's that controlling. So I think in talking about different ways that people identify themselves, that is one that make it maybe oftentimes gets overlooked of addressing mm-hmm. I'm like processing this as I speak that's my biggest flaw uh, <laughs> we need to be able to uh, help people s- understand how their mental health plays into their identity I guess is what I'm trying to say yeah because that, that is rough because it's it's easy to either identify yourself in such a way where you are causing yourself to be depressed because you keep telling yourself you're depressed but it's also easy to just try and brush off, you know, like I am very ADHD and just be like, oh, no, I'm not that, I, you know, whatever. In the power of Christ, I can in a way that is part of me still. And part of what it means for me to be in Christ is to understand that aspect of myself in Christ. That is an incredibly like 
whole nother can of worms. Dino, you had something you want to say? Oh yeah, I finally just got around to it. I'm hopefully someone can uh, describe what I want to say because I feel like um, we all talk about identity, but the thought crossed my mind about so we have we have a good grasp of who we are, like our identity, but I guess what's not talked about as much is how to relate to different people of different identities. Like, okay, let's say you're a conservative. How then should you properly relate to a someone who's progressive? Or let's say you're someone who is blessed with perfect mental health. How do you relate to someone who doesn't, who's struggling with depression or anxiety? Like, uh, I guess, I'm not sure if there's like a word or a phrase that describes what I'm trying to say, but how we relate to one another with each of us having our own different identities, if that makes sense. I think uh, for in a lot of cases, the answer is going to be empathy hmm. or just yeah. through Christ. Yeah. And, and it is true of because I am ADHD, I relate to people who are also ADHD differently or I relate to people who are, you know, it, it does. My identity does affect my relationship with other people and their unique identity. And a lot of times the conversation does just stop at me, myself and I. So, yeah, I, I think I kind of get what you're saying. Joe? I think it's a very valid question to ask when you're when you're building up the muscles of how to relate with other people and how to be able to have conversations that don't just put what the other person's thinking or feeling or whatever or how they identify themselves completely on the back burner, but also doesn't make that a, a fixation and a focal point. And I think it's twofold. And, but but at the same token, there are two sides of the same coin. Stopping to listen to a person as they go through what how they describe themselves, how they interact, what little what little ticks they have, what little nuances that that they have, it goes a long way in being able to process mm -hmm. and understand where a person's coming from. Because at least in America, we are trained at this point to. Listen to respond. Mm -hmm. We listen so far as to be able to be able to be ready to respond, and then done. Look for your opening to to respond in the conversation. Yes, there is a dimension of this that um, if 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 it is Christian to Christian, then you you know yes it, as as a as the Spirit connects us to be able to have those conversations and to be able to listen and, and in Christ and all of those things at a very practical level. You know, the one thing that I've, I've seen in spades and some of where I agree with Christian is going to come out on this one. Um, though I will, I will endeavor to be as gracious as he was in his, in his soundbite. Um, I, <sighs> As, as you unpack these different concepts, right, and, and identity and things like that and the topics that circle around this kind of really hover strongly around this idea of individualism, right? Mm -hmm. I'm so focused on me and mine and all of that kind of stuff. And, and <laughs> that is the American way. Mm -hmm. just, just being honest, that's the, that's the American way. You know what I mean? And, and that understanding that it doesn't make the other person not 
self-centered or self-focused or things like that. But it is something to keep in the back of your mind mm -hmm. that when, when you're processing all of what makes me me, what do I have to deal with? What does this person dealing with? All of those kinds of things. It's all part of a bigger tapestry of, of people, of individuals that are part of the corporate. Yeah. Yeah. I, one of the most challenging things anyone ever told me is that the Bible doesn't talk about a personal savior. And when it says Jesus saves, it says, I came to die for the whole world. It says, I came to save you. And that you is usually plural if you look at the Greek. And it's just amazing how it was never about me. It was about us and me finding my identity, not just in Christ, but also in the church as a united whole church. Uh, I got to do my my plug there. That was fun. But <laughs> guys, we talked about this a lot. Joe mentioned it from the get go. The crux of this conversation really kind of revolves around what does it mean for Christians to have our identity in Christ and in the church like that? What does that mean? We keep It's a phrase I feel like people have heard a lot. Maybe if you've grown up in the church, you've heard my identity is in Christ, but maybe haven't thought too much about it. Could someone just kind of shortly and clearly explain what does it mean to say my identity is in Christ or my identity is in the, the whole church? TJ. Uh, so I think really what it comes down to is that uh, at your core, you identify yourself as Christian, as, you know, one of God's own. It's not, oh, well, I do this and this and this and this. It's, well, I am I'm God's greatest podcaster or whatever you want to call <laughs> yourself. But the point being, your identity is rooted in the faith. Hmm. And to me, is least. it any more confusing if your name is Christian? Say so. <laughs> because I do have to deny myself if I want to be his, if I want to find my identity in Jesus, I can't just say, well, Christian would do this, not only because it's pretentious to talk in the third person, but because <laughs> I am not Jesus. I am not God. Yeah. Christian has to deny Christian to be Christian. <laughs> I mean, I'm never going to be like him unless I understand who he is. So I need to study the words he said that he put in that book, not only for me, but for everyone. Mm -hmm. So we could be more like him. Mm -hmm. Joe, do you have anything on this? Yeah, your identity is is how how you describe yourself and what you live by, right? When you have... When you have your identity, it is the it is the foundational core fundamentals mm -hmm. of how you operate, what you do, what makes you you. And that's why there's such a danger with putting anything before your identity in Christ, because you are making that the most important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It also, I think people in this day and age overlook that uh, a big part of your identity is how other people perceive you. So you have to project that you are one of God's people. You can't just say it. You can't just believe that yourself, even though that is significant. Other people have to be able to tell because other people's perception is part of your identity. It's not a huge part, but how other people yeah. see you is relevant. Mm -hmm. And to tie that back into what um, Josh threw out there before about um, personal saviorship. Um, part of, part of being a part of the kingdom of God 
is God's authority being the highest authority, right? That's it's living within the rule and reign of God. So while God does know the individual and while we can have relationship with him, part of that obeying God, part of that his king, his authority being the highest authority is obeying what he says as far as how we interact with other people, what we do outwardly, right? And as as we as we are projecting these things, as TJ said, you know, fruit of the spirit becomes evident. Proof pr- proof text starts to show of your identity being founded in Christ, and as a part of the mental health community, as a person who has historically struggled with identity, I can tell you that if your identity is not in Christ, you can you can run from that, negotiate your way out of that for for a period of time, but ultimately that lack of that that lack of foundation will also have proof text as well mm-hmm. yeah so to backtrack a little by a little we mean several weeks apparently <laughs> uh last time we had a few of us say that one topic christians most need to stand their ground on concerning science is the matter of gender identity why is gender so important to get right christian uh I'd like to clarify, I don't think it's the most important thing, but it is a, an important thing to discuss. And the reason I find it so important is because God places such importance on it at the very beginning, where he says, I have made you male and female. <laughs> uh, and because he places such importance on that there, I don't get to then say, well, you are wrong. This is how I feel. And it, ultimately, it's a matter of pride, because mm-hmm. I want to do that all in my life with certain sins. It's like, well, I like doing this, so... Therefore, what you said is wrong, God, and because I'm right, I get to do my sin, and it's not sin when I say it's not a sin. Yeah, but if it's so important to God, excuse the way I'm wording the question, why are people born with both or men born with ovaries? Like, if God made it so important to have that distinction, why would he ever let there be, you know, I I don't know if you would call it a mistake or what, but why does that happen at all? Well, I mean, my answer after... You asked that the last time. I gave it a lot of thought. Would be it would be as a direct consequence of the fall, mm. is that we are not born in the pure bodies that uh, we would have had had sin never entered the world. Now I don't know if that's the actual answer. That's the answer I came up with. So I would doubt anyone who had a better answer than that. For anybody confused, Josh is referring to hermaphroditism. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I don't know the word for that. Just put that up there. Do you know you had something you wanted to say? Oh, um, I think Ashley was one of the uh, uh, people who brought that up last time along with uh, Christian. So I actually, after our conversation last time, I actually, I think I tried to do like a, a quick survey. And I, I feel like I didn't do uh, the survey justice. I mostly just skimmed a bunch of articles on gender transition. I think Cornell, ED, uh, Cornell University did like a good survey of articles about gender transition and impact on mental health. I think there's like the canvas, maybe like 55, 60 articles. Someone who will hopefully correct me. Uh, but I guess I just, I mean, being a scientist, I kind of delved into the results of the papers. And I guess, and this might just be me, cause like I'm a hard scientist, like physical science. Um, I kind of bristle at the idea of surveys 
And also, like, I want to see some non-hypothesis values, and I want to see some statistics, statistical regression and relevance and stuff. Like, I see a lot of things like um, they self-reported, uh, people self-reporting that they feel better, and they kind of like maybe go to some kind of like vague criteria, at least uh, to me when I read it. And also, like when it come, I think there's a paper that talked about like, do you have any regrets after doing the surgery? And um, I think it's weird because like regret something vague to define scientifically. And also like the length of time too, like if you ask someone to regret during surgery, their opinion of that will change maybe a year from now or like for like the very second after surgery, like do you regret doing the surgery? I mean, why would you regret something you just did maybe like a second ago versus like a year from now to two years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, like, yeah. So I feel like it's a, a hard thing to base on. Uh, mm -hmm. So to me, just kind of like seeing like how the science, at least from the science point of view, they did some work on it, but I feel like it's, to me, it's just not very convincing, a lot of the methods that they used. Uh, I think Christian had a thought also. Christian, did you have something to say? Uh, I did want to clarify that I do not see that person themselves who would be more hermaphrodism. Uh, with as an aberration, and neither would God, because that is a person created in the image of God. So, if I worded anything poorly there on my end, I do apologize. That's not what I intend. I don't think anyone was taking it that way, but that's my anxiety speaking up. Yeah, it's a sensitive topic. It's good to be clear about those things. Joe, I know you had your hand up early on. Did you still? So, <clears throat> Christian touched on on a, on a few of the points that I would have raised, but. <laughs> Dino comes in with with just so much truth. Uh, so the problem with and and I too, I'm a um, I uh, am am no longer active in the field, but I was a data scientist for some time, and I, I so I, I love looking over those kinds of findings and that kind of information and things like that. And I have to agree that a lot of the quote unquote surveys that were done a lot of the information that was that was gathered really wasn't it, it left a lot to be desired it mm -hmm. it just it was sloppy it was sloppy work to try to try and and garner some kind of response um that that was any measure of accurate um to answer your question josh um I can I can appreciate how you worded that question because um unfortunately I think that that similar notion and that similar verbiage would be exactly how somebody would word it if they were trying to if they didn't how do I say this I think that's a, that's a that's a fair way that a, that a fair number of people would word that question. The question the question is framed problematically, but that doesn't change that that is a way that a fair number of people would word that very question. Um, now, this is where you get into, and I'll, I'll only touch on this. <laughs> I won't. I promise, guys. I won't go down this rabbit hole too far. But. The reality is, is that we constantly see different uh, shortcomings of the carbon-based life form. I guess I'll, I guess that's probably the most PC way that I could put that. 
you look at something like cancer, right? The big C word nobody likes talking about. Uh-huh. So, so what cancerous cells are, are malformed cells. And so again, it, it's, it's not manifesting in the same way, but it is another example of the shortcomings of the carbon-based life form. And the, mm, I mean this, I, I mean this in, in zero disrespect. I mean this as scientifically as I can mean this word, that, that, that this is another example of an abnormality that can arise within the, the, the human body. Yeah. Right. And that, so, so, so whenever we talk about these things, when in, in order to, in order to understand what is abnormality, what is not, what is normal, what is not, what, what, what is true and what is not in order to get all of those things, we need to understand where the source material is on all of this, Mm -hmm. where God sits in all of this. And like Christian said, pretty early on from get, God distinguishes these things and that that same idea goes on throughout scripture and and some pretty heavy points are laid at these very clear distinctions that are made and so getting that right goes beyond just making sure that we have the right identity this and all of that kind of stuff down to understanding this dimension of the what's and the where's and the why's of God and what he's doing and why he's doing it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't have a good follow-up to that. I am going to get us a little bit further away from this really touchy topic where it's even hard to find the right words without being offensive, which none of us want to be, just to clarify for anyone listening. We're going to back up a little bit to the bigger question of identity. And C.S. Lewis says the thing that I find most impactful about this in his book, The Screwtape Letters, which for those who don't know, is a senior demon, Wormwood, writes letters to his nephew, Screwtape, to tell him, here's how you can better tempt this human you've got. And it's meant... <sighs> Parody's not the right word. Satire's not the right word either, I don't think. But it, it's sort of a warning. It is a warning of, here are the kind of things that the enemy would like to tempt you with. Here's the enemy's mindset about your soul. And one of the things he, the demon writes, I'm just going to read this and I just kind of see if anybody has a take that uh, they'd like to throw out there. We'd love to hear from each of you if you, if possible, but uh, what we want, and this is the demon speaking, if men become Christians at all, is to keep them in the state of mind I call Christianity and, you know, Christianity and the crisis, Christianity and the new psychology, Christianity and the new order, Christianity and faith healing. Christianity in psychical research, Christianity in vegetarianism, Christianity in spelling reform. If they must be Christians, let them at least be Christians with a difference. Substitute the faith itself for fashion with a Christian coloring. So basically, let them be Christians and America, Christians and whatever else. Let them find their identity in something other than just Christian. How does this warning, this quote from Screwtape Letters resonate with you guys um brandon i haven't heard from you in a while it's because i've been muted um (laughs) i mean yeah i mean i think you you nailed it right on the head i don't know exactly i would have to do some research i don't know exactly what lewis means by spelling reform but to me just hearing that phrase 
that is like you have this he has this long list of what sounds like very significant things that you could make Christianity and about. And then something that, at least to my modern ears, sounds like a very petty issue to get really far behind. And I just think mm-hmm. that that is, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about gender issues we've talked or gender identity issues we've talked a a little bit already about uh political this this that and the other thing but i think it you know there's even christians who find their identity wrapped up in the very petty things of life as well yeah christianity and marvel dc sucks thus saith the lord um you (laughs) that is a joke for those wondering this is spelling uh, spelling reform is that thing where people want english to be easier basically that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Don't get distracted on it. <laughs> Anybody else have any takes on that quote from Lewis? Christian? No. Uh, I mean, it's that moment you get to add that and to Jesus. You get to add the and to Christianity. That becomes such an issue that you've taken away the primary premise which is the gospel. And then you added, well, you can't be, you know, unless you're circumcised, you can't be part of the, the fellowship. You know, unless you eat meat, you can't be part of the fellowship. It's like, uh, no, you can have these certain aspects about yourself. Like, I am never going to be a vegetarian unless God does a mighty work in my life. <laughs> but I would never look at someone and say, oh, you're this. Therefore, you cannot be a member of my church because that's a petty issue to bring up. But then if you only find your identity within, you know, veganism, vegetarianism, pesticarianism, whatever, and you try to add the gospel to that, that's where an issue comes in. You're finding identity apart from Jesus while you're trying to bring up the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Lewis is trying to say you can't enjoy these other things. You can't want English to be spelt easier. I think it's more of a, who are you? Are you a Marvel fan who happens to be a Christian? Or are you a Christian who happens to be a Marvel fan? Do you know you had something? Yeah. So um, just to give my response with more color, I'm going to use the Bible. Uh, so it's, I'm going to use uh, Matthew uh, 624, uh, NIV. Uh, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And this context is here. It says uh, you cannot serve both God and money. But you can apply it to like um, you can't serve both you can't serve both God and politics or whatever the end is because the end implies equal weighting to both Christianity and insert noun or insert verb here. So on that note, there'll be come a point where inevitably where what your identity in Christ would say versus like what the other identity would say. Mm-hmm. Like for example, I'm thinking of let's say immigration or how to deal with foreigners. Like um, Christianity would say, like, you know, protect the rights of the sojourner, like um, the care for the sojourner or the foreigner because once you were foreigners in um, Egypt and you contrast that with like how, let's say, uh, I'm not sure, I guess now like how certain people would say like, oh, like we have a right to protect our borders. Like, um, so at that point, uh, there'll be some tension there between what your two identities would say. And um, yeah, you'll be forced to choose between one or the other when, as Christians, we're called to uh, find our main identity in Christ. 
So on that note, uh, there should be no end between Christianity and whatever else it would be. All right. So when do our identity markers like handicapped or race, disabled, what have you, uh, when do they better inform our faith? And when can it be distracting from our ultimate identity in Christ? Heavy question, I know. Dino, you had something? Uh, this might be a bit uh, interesting. So hopefully you got, it won't detract from the seriousness of the podcast. But I initially thought of like me being Filipino in an American yeah. setting. That kind of inures me to Christian nationalism. Because um, I come from a country that's a third world country. Um, we got our butt kicked by the Spanish. And we got our butt kicked by the Americans and the Japanese. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of good things about the Philippines. But, you know, like a superpower, we are not. So in some ways, like, that frees me up to not see any, like, and see how government or nations can stand up to the primacy of Christ. Because I've seen my own nation, like, I'm not tempted with, like, you know, like, my my current, or my country's currency isn't the reward reserve currency. You know, like, there's only nothing to brag about my country that would distract, detract me from seeing how much more God would provide. Um, mm -hmm. compared, let's say, someone in America, I guess, like, uh, I can see how tempting it would be to believe that your political party can grant you the salvation or peace that you seek. Yeah. That is very, a very similar notion that I've heard a lot from some of the international contingent of the Buddy Walk community, mm -hmm. where without having that that tie to america they're not they, they don't have the baggage of nationalism to to deal with that when processing the scriptures and it's one that i it's it's something that i find interesting because i didn't unlike a lot of my contemporaries here i didn't grow up uh, I'm not a lifer. I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't grow up with a Bible in my hand and an American flag on the wall. I, so that's not the life that I've that I lived. Uh, when I when I say that I did sex, drugs, and rock and roll really well, I I, I did, a and that to me, coupled with the fact that I am bipolar, uh, coupled with the fact that I am a recovering addict, that I do have a rap sheet all of those kinds of things, it, it, it affords me an opportunity to look at things maybe a little bit differently than, than some of my brethren do. Because I, I don't, in a lot of the same ways, I, I don't have this sense of patriotism centered around my faith. I don't have this sense of, of tying it to a, a denomination or things like that. And that has turned around for myself and by proxy, my wife, to be what we are within the home church community and being able to shepherd people and pastor people that are displaced by mainline Christianity in that kind of way. Um, my, my wife deals with some of the same issues that I do um, a little bit different, but but some of the same, and and that has afforded us 
a, a, a cognizant reminder to stop, to listen, and to understand that maybe this person that I'm speaking with is processing this whole thing differently because of X, Y, or Z reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I'll be the first one to admit y'all confession with the saints time. My, my wife is probably the single most loving person that I have ever met in my entire life. Her heart for people is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, and she has taught me a lot when it comes to stopping and listening and caring for the individual and not just leading with a giant stick that says, this is what the truth says, guys. This is what the truth is. Yes, okay, we may all know what the truth is, but that does not stop all of the X, Y, and Z reasons that get in the way and muddy the waters when trying to process this whole thing and all of that. Yeah, Joe and Dino both mentioned aspects of your identity that isn't your main identity, but kind of helps relate to the church or see things a little bit differently. I, I would call to remember the first time I had a Bible study with someone with different mental health issues than myself. It was um, a, a friend of mine who was dealing with a lot of depression and anxiety, and they had just recently read through Jeremiah. The meaning of the text does not change for them than it does me. But man, did they notice stuff so much better than I did because they were feeling the things that he was feeling. At that time, I'm reading through it going, do, 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 do. Oh, he was sad. Do, 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 <laughs> you know? And she's like, oh, no, he, he wasn't just sad. He was in turmoil. And it opens up a new vision of that. My question is, is there ever a time where those things distract from the big thing? Does it ever become Christianity and with some of these things as well? Uh, Dino, do you have something you want to say about that? Okay. Oh, I guess um, in terms of like, I feel like some parts of, well, some parts of the Bible seem weird or alien until you've had necessary experiences to kind of like unlock um, the meaning behind them, I guess. I guess the word being living and all. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, um, Ecclesiastes and Lamentations felt like out of place for me before until I had my bout with nihilism in 2016. And then after I read those, it's like, oh, wow, these, these works are beautiful. Like, they speak to my soul. But other times when I was going through my bout with nihilism, like, I think, like, for example, like, I think Psalm 23 about God being the shepherd. I was like, some shepherd, he turned out to be. My life is crap. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like sometimes, like, the Bible speaks to you in certain ways. But, like, your experiences are, like, what you're going through, your circumstances can close you off to God, what God's trying to tell you if you let it. Yeah. Yeah. Christian? The first thing you, when you type in the words Christian identity into Google, Google is an anti-Semitic group that believes that white people are the only people who can get into heaven. Yeah. That is when it becomes an issue. That's when it becomes a huge problem because nowhere in scripture does it say that. It says Jew and Gentile if you repent, you turn to him, you're getting in. But there's nothing wrong with, you know, I can never deny the fact that I'm white. You know, you take one look at me, you go, oh, that guy's white. Wait, what? I know, right? <laughs> Same way, you know, someone from Africa is going to, they're African. Someone from Cambodia is Cambodian. It's like, I can never deny that part of myself if that's who I was. But that does not define me. You know, 
the fact that I am gradually losing my hair over time does not mean I have to be identified as bald, even though it's going to be solely as bald, because reality says I am balding. And if I continue going on, it's going to be gone. Yeah. So I cannot deny reality for the sake of making myself feel better Mm -hmm. when it comes to what I see myself as. Joe. And that's exactly where we get into um, a, lo- a lot of the racist stuff that ends up co- or, or misogynistic stuff or, or different aspects like that. Like pick your flavor. It's Baskin Robbins. You can you can pick your flavor. There's 52 of them the, as far as what this can look like. But that's when you try to force a person into denying aspects of the like g- denying reality is where you start to lose the rabbit on this whole thing because you are in fact denying aspects of this image bearer mm. right now when when the moment that i am first bipolar and second a christian i'm first italian and second a christian i am first an addict Second, a Christian. That's part of why I have such a problem with the 12-step program, but that's a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. So when whenever whatever that thing is, yeah, there is the bridge too far. It's a natural bridge, uh, bridge too far where it does become become a a um distraction from the greater whole, but that's exactly why. Under, understanding that to go back to understanding the the point of you know genders or the point of under of tr- even trying to suss any of this stuff out about what makes up the individual identity and why it's so important to get it right that it be rooted in Christ because any time that that we shift off of that we open the door up for anything else to come in or to say that God made a mistake mm-hmm. or to say that, that there is some kind of shortcoming with God that science needs to come in and fix or something along those lines. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and there's tons of different flavors of what, how this, it's not just, you know, white people being racist. <laughs> it's anybody being racist. I've watched this, this stuff happen from all manner of groups i remember the first time that i i, I do a lot a lot of uh, the 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 buddy walk ministry is centered around mm-hmm. india we we are we do a lot of work over there and i remember the first time i met somebody from india who who str- didn't want anything to do with me because i was an evil white man but that's all they had known yeah that's all that was that was the context in which they in which they saw me and and with no counterbalance, how can you how can you expect anything different? You know what I mean? Yeah, I I don't want to hold this book up as ultimate truth or it's absolutely correct, but I do think it's worthwhile listening to, and I think it's on our whole church reading list. Insider Jesus. It tells a lot of stories of people who believe in Jesus and follow Jesus around the world, who will not call themselves Christians for one reason or another usually because in their context, Christian means evil murderer or, you know, something like that. And they're like, well, I, I want to tell people about Jesus. And if I call myself a Christian, they don't want to hear a word I say. 
So I'm just not going to use that word. And I don't think Jesus has a problem with it. You know, I was like, oh, you didn't want to use the word Christian, man. So you're out. You know, like, I don't think that's the case. So it's a very challenging book. So I, I think it's worth picking up Insider Jesus. Again, I'm not saying everything in the book is true or correct, but it is challenging. Um, and then also I wanted to say to what Joe was talking about there, I think one of the greatest examples I can think of is actually our buildings. Um, when you look at, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of great examples. You look at Gothic churches, like how it is built and how the very structure of the building is to point to God in some way. Man, that that's cool. That's crazy. Their culture interpreted something in such a way where they could point to God in a unique way that I would not have thought of. But also you have the same thing where you have American churches who put the flag right up there in front of the cross at the front of the building. And it's like, okay, well, at that point, you're putting your culture first. You're not using your culture to point to God in a unique way. You're equating the two. And that's where the problem comes in. Yeah, that's why there should be Bible verses on every McDonald's table. Amen. That's uniquely American. I mean, that's basically what cookout is. Just better food. That's true. While you're at it, just make sure, just redesign the wrappers that Big Macs come in and just have it wrapped in like Bible verses and stuff like Perfect. that. Perfect. Yeah. 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 So don't, yeah. don't make you cook out yeah. right now. Yeah. It's 45 minutes away from me and it hurts me every day. If you eat enough Big Macs, you will see Christ sooner. Here's your Bible verse. <laughs> That's true. This new in remembrance of me. <laughs> If you really miss me, here's how you get here quicker. Um, so that being said, guys, we're talking about these things of how these different aspects of our identity can either point to God and point to Christ or the church in a more unique way and help us with different perspectives, or it can be a distraction um, if we let it become Christian and this and equate the two. Um, for those listening, just your average Joe just attends church. What's something practical they can do that would help their congregation hear better from the various different people in their congregation and how they point to Christ within their own context? That was a really terribly worded question. Please tell me someone knew what I meant. Christian. If you don't know what they believe, how are you ever going to understand them? Mm -hmm. Just anything in general. Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, or uh, Baptist Catholic. If I don't reach out to them and try to understand Catholicism or uh, more liberal ideologies, then how can we have a moment where we understand one another? So learn what they believe. Realize what you believe first. So when that argument comes up, you're ready. But also understand where they're coming from so you can actually have that common ground to have a discussion. Yeah. Joe. Yeah. Um, so this is coming, th- this, I, I get, I get to have a bit of the catbird seat as far as <laughs> this goes, uh, as far as this one goes. Um, and, and I can tell you the single biggest thing that I see bar none, there's not even a close second is a lack of ability to have a conversation. There's listening involved. There's discussion involved. There's the openness to ask questions that's involved. And yeah, know what you believe and why you believe it, but also be willing to hear what another person 
says what what another person believes now granted that does not come with the come with the with the requirement that you're going to agree with everything that comes out of their mouth right but if you stop and have a conversation with somebody not leading not trying to convince them of something not with some kind of goal in mind but stop and have a conversation with someone then a person feels like a person and a person doesn't just feel like another just another number right you walk into the grocery store Mm -hmm. you go to the deli counter you grab your slip of paper your number 87 and and that's all you are now granted i'm not saying that that the home church movement is is the place or whatever like that yeah i'm a little biased (laughs) but yeah, there's there's an opportunity for intimacy there that isn't necessarily found in the mega church model or the normal Sunday Sunday morning model or anything like that. But all too often, I hear that used as an excuse that oh, you guys get the ability to be able to have intimate conversations. No, no, maybe don't have a greeter facilitating fake conversation at the door and maybe actually take time to ask people at the individual level. I'm not just talking about the pastors going out and making the rounds. That's part of it. Let's not make them rock stars, but, but foster an environment where people are willing to go up and authentically extend an, a, a, a hand of conversation to one another in a way that isn't just that that like find find people who genuinely care about other other individuals and just send them out to go make rounds around pe- uh, around around the the room done that's that's mm-hmm. 90% of the battle right there and if you can make people feel like they are heard you will have a healthier overall environment because different unique things influence a person's processing of the world like i'm going to i may be the one out of uh, out of the group that uh, out of out of four out of the five of us who may who may be the most influenced by international culture and things like that but i still have a wholly different uh different perspective than dino does mm-hmm. And then, and then, uh, then you go to. I'm from the East Coast, and a lot of you guys are from the South or from the Midwest, depending on on who's charting out the U.S. Different opinions, you know <laughs> what I mean? That's the, all of these things influence how we process the world differently, and so being able to stop ashbed and just have conversations mm-hmm. at, at least gets the ball rolling. Yeah, you know what I mean. I um, know a lot of us have small enough churches that you can just literally just talk to everybody about this kind of thing. I, I think it's very telling. You mentioned rock star pastors, how often a church seems to be built around a particular culture. And w- one of the one of the big tells of that would be your worship at your church. If it's all the same style and all the same whatever, you're you're probably focusing a lot on one type of culture and that's it. And Sometimes that makes sense. Some context, I feel like it's kind of concerning. I mean, if you have a lot of different cultures and ethnicities represented, uh, Filipino worship is going to be wildly different than Italian worship, you know, and that should be reflected in everything you do. Can't confirm it is different. <laughs> Thank you, Dino. So uh, I, I think if you're in a bigger church, even go to your deans, go to your pastor, ask to have these meetings with the church where you can really have people's different 
I, I don't know how to how to word this. Different uh, parts of their identities, different cultures and stuff, represented in a way that they're all building towards Christ, which should be our ultimate identity. Do you know? And also, I'm not sure about the average uh, listener here, but if you're part of a church uh, and you feel intimidated, like to kind of just talk to a random person, um, mm -hmm. try to go to a life group or a community group, because um, that's yeah. how I kind of like broke into like. When G my fiance and I went to a new church, just how we kind of broke in um, to like getting to know people. It's like, you know, break it if it's your church is too big and intimidating. Just you know, go to a smaller sponsored setting where people are all gathered together trying to get to know each other. Um, so that's my practical advice for people. Yeah. So, what do we think would we would see change if everyone did all these things? You know, became more considerate of each other's cultures and individual personalities and. All those things, Josh, what do you think? I think our churches would look different, like physically look different. The things in your church, the decorations you choose, it won't look like a, um, sorry, too many churches I go to these days look like generic white girl from college decorated it with the vinyl letters on the wall and everything. And I'm like, there's so many different cultures represented here. Why is that all I see? Um, you know, your worship will look different. Your discussion will look different. The people who are allowed to preach from the pulpit will look different. And that's something that I think would be a light to the world around us who thinks the church, if you look up Christian identity, like, like you said earlier, you see racist people, basically. And I, I think if the world could see us truly using all of these different parts of who we are to point to God, we could really open up conversations to the wired world a lot, a lot easier. Joe? And baked into that is the understanding that beyond, again, beyond race, gender, all of those things, right? Beyond any of that, understanding that we are created with the idea that we are going to have a unique personality, mm -hmm. that we are going to have unique giftings, that we are going to have a unique manifestation of what makes us us. And, and understanding that and being cool with that matters. You know, it, it matters that you that you understand that not everybody has to do it the same way. Not everybody has to listen to the same music or or experience the same things the same way or any of those kinds of things. Not just, you know, it, not not even so far or, or just focused on the whole God portion of it, but also just understanding that everyday life is going to look different for each individual person and how they are, are, are living out the kingdom is going to look different for their context and for, and for their life. And if we embrace that, then yeah, that's gonna be the biggest proof text to show a community that actually gets it. That, that gets the idea that the kingdom is diverse and unique. Dino. I think all in all, um, it'll be a powerful witness for the gospel to other people. Because I feel like what some people might feel when they go to a church is like, oh, because from something superficial, like, oh, I don't like sports, so I can't relate to the pastor's sports jokes. Mm. Or like, um, well, I am not American, so I don't get like the references and stuff. If we see a diverse church, um, it will make unbelievers reconsider, like, why am I not a Christian again? Like, mm. you know. There's so many things that I, like, there's less excuses for unbelievers to feel like I have to do this, I have to think this way, or change 
unnecessary vestigial things to be to be like all you need then is Christ and you don't sacrifice your identity um, when you become Christian then instead you become more of who you are um, if we um, suit our identity in Christ instead of other things yeah God made us unique people and that'll be uh, much like when you add salt to something like if you add salt to something sweet it tastes sweeter God makes you more you when you truly find your identity in him Christian <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding off my my big note. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. I mean, uh, my word of advice here is: don't get discouraged when your attempt to create unity fails. Yeah, because it's going to. Because mm-hmm. people are people, and you're not always going to have the most eloquent words to say. You're not always going to say the right thing. You're going to flub it, and they're going to screw up too. And that's okay. The process is okay. That didn't work. How do I have this conversation better? How do I listen to this person better than I did last time? It's going to be a gradual journey. Don't expect a hundred percent success rate every single time, because you're only going to get discouraged and you're going to give up. Yeah. That's a, that's very close to what I was actually going to say. Uh, it takes time. I don't want you to think that if tomorrow you suddenly don't have each ethnicity represented in the pulpit, then your church is failing. Right? If you have five white older men pastors right now none of them need to step down you need to just start helping slowly working with people and teaching them and equipping them to do the ministry so it will take time to see this picture that we're talking about all right if no one has any further comments regarding that we'd like to move on to our god moment segment which if this is your first time listening uh we just like to take a minute to go through what god's been up to us with us recently whether it be uh moment of worship, a challenge, a blessing. And I always make Josh go first to give everybody else as much time as we would like to have. Uh, so, Joshua, do you have a God moment for us this week? My God moment is going to be slightly sillier than usual. I mean, I feel like the last few times it's had to do with, like, death or, like, life-altering moments, and this time it, it's silly. But it is a, a valid God moment, I think. I have been challenged. All these years, I've had a lot of animosity towards those who celebrate Christian before th- Christian Christmas before Thanksgiving. And I have this week started listening to Thanksgiving playlist and I am celebrating Thanksgiving way before Halloween. It's not even October and I'm listening to Thanksgiving music, which most people don't realize is a thing, but that's a whole debate for another time. You listen to Thanksgiving music all the time and don't know it. Check out our Patreon for the discussion on Thanksgiving music. <laughs> um, for me, I'm going to say my God moment is uh, recently I've been given Basically, the all clear to transfer stores, uh, move from one Chipotle to another one. The one I work at now is like 30 minutes away. And the people are mean. So I'm going to change that. So, Christian, do you have a God moment for us? Well, I'm going to cheat as I always do and have two. Um, My first one, now, the last time we recorded, you may notice I had a lot more hair on my head then. Uh, Well, that's not my choice. Uh, This was a very humbling moment for me even though I knew inevitably what happened later on, but I went to Great Clips and the lady who was cutting my hair did not understand English that well. And I, uh, out of politeness, answered yes to a question that I didn't understand out of her lips. And in the midst of it, she went straight down the middle, leaving hair on both sides (laughs) of my head, but not the middle. (laughs) So I stared at the mirror dumbfounded and said, I think there's been a misunderstanding, ma'am. Just get rid of it all. 
And it was, like I said, just a very humbling moment from God. It's like, look, <laughs> I, I know you've been stressed over your hair. Just this is what you're going to look like eventually. So get used to it. Yeah. You know, I'm Me still too. here and I still love you. Uh, my second one is a bit, a bit more serious in that as going back to school has proven my ability to retain information has died. And I'm the one who murdered that 10 years ago yeah. when I left school. So I only have myself to blame for not being more studious. So it's been a very humbling moment there of God teaching me like, look, you did waste a lot of time, but there's still time to become better, even though you're struggling mm -hmm. with Hebrew right now. You know, just give it time and I'm going to get you out of this. That's a reasonable thing to struggle with, though. <laughs> That's like the That's great tough. clips horror story. Yeah. Just a little off the top. Bald. <laughs> uh, Joe, do you have a God moment for us this week? Yeah, um, I, I, I'm not sure this is either good nor bad, um, but the proverbial uh, apple cart of, of my life and a lot of how I had things structured um, between tent making and the ministry and all of those kinds of things. Um, the apple cart got tipped yesterday. Um, a lot of things are changing. I have a feeling that we have now entered the part the 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 part of the story where um the train's going to start moving pretty rapidly towards full-time ministry um and and away from the the 9 to 5 stuff um but but we shall see you know yeah. it, the i guess the god moment and all that without the you know i i without the actual events of yesterday itself is you know, I, I can I can point to a different point in my life where I would have freaked out mm -hmm. over what happened yesterday, um, and that's even as a as an entrepreneur. Like I I would have freaked out with what happened yesterday, and and I didn't, and I'm not. Um, but but you know, we'll we'll see what comes of all of it. Yeah. All right, Dino, do you have a God moment for us? I do. So it involves a book by John Ortberg and my fiance Ginny. So um, for Bible study um, here, I've been reading uh, The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. And for whatever reason, I guess just how my life just turned out, every chapter I read is just um, convicts me of a certain sin issue in my life. Like I see, like, I see, for example, like how proud I can be. I've also, the book has also shown me how much to kind of like wish life away and waste the time that God has for me, among many other things. And in a moment of being convicted, I think I, I think I told uh, my fiance like, "Are you sure you still want to marry me? Like I'm proud, I'm stubborn, like I'm do, like I'm all convicted of all these sorts of things um, in this book." And she said like, "What do you mean? Like I'm already seeing how humble you are and acknowledging your your failures." Um, so even though it's like, I mean. That to me like, spoke a lot because I struggle a lot with imposter syndrome. Once I get on a roll of beating myself up about something, it becomes a train of like, here's, here's other things I've done wrong. So mm -hmm. for her, I think, she, I just, to her credit, when I was like in the midst of me being convicted, I started to like feel sorry for myself. And she kind of just nicked it in the bud by mm -hmm. reminding me of the good things that God put in me. Uh, so there you go. Yeah. Awesome. I don't usually do this. 
but I thought of something else I wanted to add to today's conversation just here at the end. There is a song by Jimmy Needham called Clear the Stage, and it completely altered how I live my life because he gets to a point where he starts describing what an idol is. He says, anything I've given all my heart, that's an idol. He says, anything I love more than you, that's an idol. And at one point he says, anything I can't stop thinking of is an idol. And you have to completely clear the stage for God. And I have to, I'm still challenged by that. Anything that it's like, what can my brain not stop thinking of? And I guess I'll leave that challenge, that God moment for our listeners as well. If there's something on your mind that you can't stop thinking of and it's not God and his love for you, I'd question that. I, you know, I wouldn't say it's absolutely an idol, but I would question that. All right. Thank you all so much for being with us today. Thank you, everybody listening, for your patronage, which, you know, you could do better by supporting us on Patreon if you like the episode. But we do love your support so much. And please consider sharing the episode with a friend that is infinitely more helpful than supporting us on Patreon, actually. Uh, we just really like it when that happens. Or a cousin. Preferably cousin. a cousin, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to hear more from TJ, myself, or Joe, actually, you can go to systematicgeekology.org. There is a host tab. All of us are part of that show, so you can click there, see everything else we do. And we'd appreciate your support over on that show as well. All right. And once again, I'm going to ask you to support us on Patreon if you wanted to hear one of our special series, such as Too Long Didn't Listen or Pet Peeves. And thank you for listening to the Whole Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Coming up, we will have... Pastor Mike Moffat of University Place Presbyterian Church. After that, we will be interviewing Dr. Richard Rains, the author of Finding Washington, Why America Needs to Rediscover the Virtues of Her Most Essential Founding Father. That's like a, a research paper title. Uh, then we will be back with our Defining Scriptures series discussing the character Elihu. Elihu? Elihu? You know, that's one of those Bible names that I really just... That one's not for me. I've been saying Elihu, but that's probably wrong. In the book of Job and Redactor Criticism, and finally at the end of season one, Francis Chan will be joining us. Hopefully. Wow. Does he know? No clue. I hope not. <laughs> yeah. Because that'd be bad. <laughs> uh, he'll figure it out. Thank you for listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Remember, you can always sponsor our show at patreon.com forward slash The Whole Church Podcast for as little as $3 a month. Join us again next week as we interview Pastor Mike Moffett of Bible Jazz and pastor of a Presbyterian church here in America.